Welcome to the Fat Cats Rugby Podcast, bringing you candid rugby conversations, great interviews and insights into Ugandan rugby, and a touch of rugby in Africa and the world over. Fat Cats Rugby Podcast is a product of Fat Cats Media Brand. For all your audiovisual content needs and equipment hire, hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Fat Cats Podcast, yet another edition. Um, another beautiful evening here at uh, the Gardens, Nigeria. As you can see, the background there preparing for the evening. There's going to be quiz night later today. So, for those that uh, can make it every Tuesday, there is quiz night. But of course, there's a lot more in store, and we shall be letting you know more about what they have in store, especially with this coming weekend. My name is Ruben Kihumuro, and uh, today uh, we have a, a two man set. We normally have very crowded sets, but this one is. Should I call it an intellectual set? So whoever is not here, I've not said anything. Um, but maybe just to quickly introduce the person we're with today. Um, the name is Clive Chaze. And what I know about him, what the, the bit of research I have done so far is the, that he's a passionate sports journalist. That's he's cool. a marketer. He's uh, the general secretary of Uganda Sports Press Association, USPA and also uh, part of 88.2 Sanyu FM. Is, is there anything that I have missed out? Yeah, but uh, that's for another day. Mm-hmm. For another day? Okay, maybe Haji Salongo will show you something. But thank you for being part of the podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you mm. for the invitation. Yeah. At first, I was scared. You Why know, were you scared? When you hear the name of uh, the podcast, uh, mm. Cuts podcast mm. uh, there was a time when all the people on the set hey. where I need fat cats. So <laughs> <laughs> looks like you're you're changing, you're you're, you're breaking the. Hey, the it's a PR thing. But people had over put us in a box, and we didn't want to be in that box. Yeah, you had to have a bit mm. of flesh on it. <laughs> we don't want people that play around with food. But what have you heard about the podcast? Uh, what have you seen about the podcast? Any any episode that you like? Tell us. Well, uh, first of all, to be honest. Uh, I, I won't lie that I always look forward to the podcast, mm. but every time I see it somewhere, yeah. I endeavor to, to watch, okay. depending sometimes on the guests that are on the podcast and, and mm. all that. But of course, on so many occasions, uh, almost sometimes all the guests that uh, you host on the, on the podcast are, are guests of substance. Yeah. And it has uh, done a lot in enriching us or letting us know a lot that we don't know about uh, Ugandan rugby. So for me, it is a product that um, every sports fanatic out there, especially rugby fans, should be looking forward to. Yeah, definitely. It was uh, very, very interesting there. But let's quickly jump into... I want to start with AFCON, uh, the Africa Cup of Nations that just recently concluded. Of course, you were covering it in uh, in Ivory Coast. Um, tell us about Ivory Coast. How is Ivory Coast as a country? <laughs> uh, very beautiful country. Of course, uh, hot mm. at the same time, but they invested a lot of uh, time mm. in infrastructure, the road network, uh, the, the buildings, and um, everything. Of course, they have their own shortcomings mm. as uh, people, or generally people from West Africa. Uh, but by and large, as a country, I thought uh, for me, even beyond the Africa Cup of Nations, yeah. it is a very peaceful country with very welcoming people. It is something that I've said time and again, and uh, very hard to believe in an African country that uh, there are no thieves in Ivory Coast. Really? You can comfortably walk with your phone on your street, mm. record whatever you want to record, without any fear of somebody's going to snatch my phones. Uh, people leave their cars on the road until morning. They are not scared that somebody will probably take the light, or even a mica will, will be stolen. So it is a very peaceful country, mm. very uh, peaceful people, but also, I should say, uh, sports mad people because beyond the football I also had the privilege to visit the headquarters of um, the Federation of International Basketball Association, the headquarters yeah. in Ivory Coast, Abidjan, uh, to be precise. And um, the people you talk to, the people you interact with, they also tell you how big basketball is in that country, much as it is yet to probably 
are spread out on the African continent. But uh, it is a country, and uh, you're saying that from a background of uh, not Uganda mm -hmm. as a country, but Kampala yeah. as, a, as a city, because we have to deal with portraits every day. <laughs> the moment you go into a society and the roads are very smooth, uh, it's very hard to encounter a portal. Mm. There's a bit of uh, relief and, and comfort, especially if you're using a car to move here and there. So it's a country where you'll have stable roads, let me say, from Kampala to Arua, mm. the road network is the same from Kampala to Busia to the to the border in, in Katuna and all that. They invested a lot yeah. in the road network, but also other facilities. I never had a chance to visit the hospital, mm. but at least some of my colleagues were involved uh, in a road accident when they were coming uh, after one of those games in Yamsoku, uh, were admitted um, into hospitals. And uh, everyone does tell you that actually the medical care mm. uh, was also up to standard, probably because uh, they were being take care, taken care of by the local organizing committee of OCAF. But um, you feel from what we were able to see mm. on the outside, it is a very very beautiful country yeah interesting so um we've had so many times that um there are the complaints about struggles of the african cup of nations in regards to viewership in regards to attendance what from your perspective do you think this one was a success or do you think there were some other challenges still yeah, without a doubt it was a success it was the third africa cup of nations i was covering mm. but i've also watched a number of them uh, since 1996 and if you religiously follow this tournament, even on TV, mm. you will testify that it is very hard to have stadiums full when the host nation is not playing. Yeah, Very, very, very hard. If you have other teams playing, it is very hard to have people coming into the stadium. People will only come when the host nation is playing. It wasn't the case with this Africa Cup of Nations, mm. uh, even in games when Ivory Coast was not playing you could see that fans would turn up in big numbers. Of course, the stadiums wouldn't be full to capacity, yeah. but at least you would have a three a quarters number. of the stadium yeah. are full when even other national teams are playing. In terms of um, a TV viewership, of course, uh, I was telling somebody, it is no longer a competition for the African audience. Yeah. In the past, it was an African competition and not so many people really are cared. But over time, uh, TV viewership has grown yeah. because it has picked a lot of interest in Europe, in mm. Asia, South America and North America, probably because of the different African superstars who play in these leagues predominantly in Europe. So the audience globally, especially across the African continent or beyond the African continent, has also grow, uh, grown over time. Of course, that goes with the quality of the football that yeah. uh, the teams uh, that do exhibit out there. But also the facilities, uh, because uh, the stadiums, uh, for instance, the ones in Ivory Coast, uh, Cameroon and Egypt, uh, these are stadiums that were well looked after yeah. for them to be able to meet the standards, not only for the players, yeah. but also for the people who are going to be watching on TV and those who will be coming into the stadium. So you feel that uh, CAF and uh, organizers or their partners, they're doing a great job in making sure that uh, the competition grows every now and then. Did you get to experience the culture from uh, food, maybe uh, maybe a bit of the nightlife? Did you get any of those chances? Uh, food, I didn't like the food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the moment we landed on chips and rice, yeah. uh, rather chips and chicken and a bit of rice, uh, mm. that uh, became our staple food uh, for the 30 days mm. that um, we were in Ivory Coast. You didn't even get tired of it at one point? No, we didn't. But also, there are a few other things that we enjoyed. So, mm fish there, smokes or so roasted fish, uh, it was nice, uh, it's a delicacy that people used to enjoy a lot. Mm. Um, one, my first meal I think was um, a fried cassava, okay. it was very nice, even mm. it was cold, it was still soft, uh, here we, you, our cassava is soft when it's hot, when it gets cold it gets hard, hard. It, it wasn't the case. So you thought that apart from the acheke that uh, they love a lot and having too much pepper in, in their sauce, the rest of the things were okay. Of course, there was a lot of bread. Of course, uh, one night uh, I I was craving pork. Uh -huh. <laughs> and it is it is not something you easily find on the street like mm. any other thing. I, I had to. Where you just bump into something yeah. and get chikarai. Exactly. Mm. It's hard. The other things you can easily get mm. chicken, fish, and all that. Yeah. It wasn't the case with pork. So I was directed to a few restaurants that sell it. And 
getting there it was damn expensive i mean you're talking about um uh, 10k stiffers which is about uh, 62,000 Uganda shillings and you're mm. like am i spending all this you, know, you you're remembering how much you buy it at chadron and all these other places and you're like i'm not about yeah. to spend 60k <laughs> but you're already hungry you've uh, traveled that long distance so you go out and um, and, and enjoy it but by and large uh, mm. even the nightlife um, there, there are people who love to party but then they are not like us. Uh, you go out at uh, eight, nine, and you like by one or two, I'll be back home. For them, they start going out past midnight. Mm. That is when people start getting out of their homes to go and, and, and party. When you're ah. planning on going back to sleep, for them, they're planning on going out. That's interesting because when we went to Zimbabwe, <laughs> midnight, they were chasing people to go back home. But it's interesting to hear what you're saying. I mean, one of the things that we do with our team whenever we get the opportunity to travel is guys you cannot go to a foreign country and not have something different to True. eat whether it is going to disorganize your stomach that is something we can deal with i mean edwin always says that uh he's i i tried i make jokes about it i say that he's uh the marketing manager of imodi i mean in uganda there's a way that tablet can can ideally tie if i am to directly translate tie your stomach and you not having any issues after mm. eating something that may cause it's like immunization eh? hey. so you're like you can't eat but i have imodium <laughs> <laughs> but anyway um talking about um rugby what was your first interaction with rugby uh utl cops utl cops <laughs> you exposed your age a little bit I but that uh, i was coming towards the game yeah. uh, my father used to buy a lot of new vision mm. and uh Every time I, w I was done reading about KCCFC and Jackson Mayanja, yeah. there was a lot of Alan Musoka and UTL Cops. Yeah. And of course, blue was my favorite color, still my favorite color. Probably that explains the blue. Mm. And then one time, it was my birthday. I remember I got 40k from an auntie, and UTL had this phone on promotion. Remember those phones that were branded in the colors of the product? Mm. And there was this phone, it was in blue and black. Yeah. The same colors that Cobb used to put on top blue, black pants, and all that. But because of that love and affiliation, I was like, I'm buying this Cafone, mm. basically because of UTL Cobbs, not even Cobbs, but UTL Cobbs. Okay. So that's about uh, early 2000s. Mm. That was my first interaction with them. Um, which, which ideally brings us to the next thing I even wanted to ask. Uh, journalism and ethics versus supporting a team. Uh, first and foremost, does that mean that Cobbs is your team? Is the team you support? No, it is. It's it is. Yeah. But then, as a journalist, I thought you're supposed to be neutral. Now, if you're supporting a team, when they say that your your stories or your 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 whatever your submissions are are biased. Well, uh, yes, without a doubt. I mean, that is where now your professionalism comes in. You support a certain team, but um, what what kind of reporting are you doing? Yeah. If you're doing a job, you need to be objective. If if you're doing a job, you must report the truth. If you're doing a job, you must be factual. Yeah. The challenge usually comes in when you let your passion override your professionalism or objectivity. Uh, luckily, I've not found found myself in that situation. But then, when you try to take it to bring in to put it rather into that direction. And um, sometimes you even take it beyond the Ugandan borders. Yeah, I've uh, encountered colleagues, especially at a level like this. Mm. Uh, I've been at uh, the Africa Cup of Nations, the Commonwealth Games, and all these other events. Sometimes it gets crazy, okay. probably because it is national teams involved. Mm. Sometimes journalists forget that uh, they are journalists. They, they will cheer their national teams. I've, be, I've seen people crying in the stadiums when Argentina is winning the World Cup. Are somebody, they allowed to show passion and emotion? Somebody is uh, doing commentary of uh, the World Cup <laughs> final. Um, they are shedding tears. I mean, uh, CAF had to bring stringent rules uh, during the Africa Cup of Nations oh. when they beat Senegal to qualify for the next round. Yeah. Uh, Ivory Coast journalists had to undress and dance. Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, videos were making rounds. So, People will, people will get to that e extreme, but yeah. at the end of the day, if you're going to sit down on this podcast or get out your laptop to put a report together, I mean, you, you need, your professionalism needs to supersede uh, everything because at the end of the day, yeah, your credibility is on the line. Yeah, that's interesting. What's your best rugby experience in the time that you have covered the game or been a fan of the game as well? Mm, the, there was this one moment. Uh, first of all, 
how probably start uh, following the sport. Yeah. Uh, Ismail Dakawa Chigong and uh, Adeo Sugembe did a very, very a good job and uh, Swai Brau Kanike. Yeah. There was this time in the Daily Monitor newsroom and mm -hmm. uh, Adeo was telling us about this boy called uh, Ivan Magom, telling mm. us all the good things, what kind of player he is. <coughs> it's a conversation that lasted for about one hour. So yeah. while he was telling us that uh, the editor at the time, Mark Namanya, was listening, mm. It was early in the week. Yeah. So Namanya told those in, in Uganda, he created for himself extra work. <laughs> like, give me that feature about Ivan. Yeah. I have space for you this weekend. Mm. And I think that weekend, uh, Paris had a game. So, yeah. you know how they tell you about someone that they're like, I need to go and see. You need to go and see for yourself. They were playing at uh, Legends. I don't remember who they were playing. So, me, I came to Legends because I wanted to see Ivan Magum, the person that uh, Deos was talking about, and uh, Ismail rubber stamped, and you're like, I need to go out and check out this guy. Yes, I, I come to Legends. Now, Ivan did what he did, but then the day I was there, a different person altogether caught my eye, mm. and uh, it was Marvin Odong. Okay. The, the manner in which he was doing his thing. I, I can equate him to the manner in which Zinedine Zidane used to play football. Interesting. So I was looking at this uh, tall, dark, lanky guy, the way he held the ball and he was going through people and it was a joy to watch. Okay. So much as I came well, to watch... At, at this point, were you understanding the, the rules and the dynamics of the game? A few. I, I knew how they, how they score the points. Mm. But uh, these are the deep talk, analytical stuff. Up to today, I struggle. <laughs> but at least uh, I, I enjoyed watching Marvin. Mm. But then one moment that uh, caught my eye, it was you see the Pirates moment, mm -hmm. and this moment with Ivan Magom. I still don't remember who they were playing against. You know how the the rugby ball is, yeah. the oval ball and all that. And I think Pirates uh, did get a try mm. at uh, the other end of the scoreboard. Yeah. And Ivan had to combat. You know how footballers score direct from the corner kick? Yeah. That is where the ball was. Mm. Ivan combated from that angle. <laughs> yeah. Ivan, my Every time I see that, like, I mean, it's something that can never get out of my mind. So mm. I'm like, how is he able to get that overthink deep in that corner? through those posts. I mean, yeah. it's, it's something that uh, to date, every time I say it, it's the first thing for me that comes to mind. Yeah, uh, that's interesting. So, when looking at rugby as in general as a sport, what, do you, what are the things you think that need to be changed about the game? Or what are the things that maybe you do not appreciate about the game? Mm, I think there needs to be more order okay. and uh, professionalism, especially at uh, a club level. Well, the issues are the union are issues that are happening at uh, every federation in Uganda. But uh, you feel we are in an era yeah. where sport needs to start taking a different direction, a direction of uh, professionalism. Mm. Of course, it's not uh, something that can happen overnight, but you feel it is a direction that uh, people running these clubs, or probably with the help of the union, but sometimes you probably don't need to wait for the union, for them to start thinking the direction of uh, how do we start organizing ourselves yeah. professionally? Because you have rugby players who also have full-time jobs elsewhere. So the time that uh, they offer the sports is probably uh, limited. But at the end of the day, probably you have big dreams of uh, taking this club to the next level. You have different dreams of uh, bringing in uh, sponsorships, yeah. improving the revenue streams of uh, your institutional organization. So you can't get into that direction if you've not labored to say, we need to take a professional direction. Okay. And these are the steps we need to take if we are to take this direction. So I feel it is something that is lacking, not only in rugby, but mm. I feel the sports sector in, in general in Uganda, something that is lacking that uh, we need to start uh, considering moving forward. Yeah, um, of course, for those that are seeing us yet again, we are at the Gardens, Nigeria. Um, as you can see, very, very beautiful place. It is a bar, but also a party space for all those that want to host their parties. But what's one more interesting thing that they have is the East African Meat Carnival. There's even a big poster just there next to uh, where we are. Just talking about the fact that this weekend they'll be having DJ Bush Baby, DJ LaVey, 
DJ Mose, Barbecue, uh, Barbecue Buffets as well will be around this Saturday, 24th of Feb, 2024. For your reservations, call the number 0785-340-620 or 0775-927-271. That is ideally it. But anyway, now let's jump into journalism. How did, uh, how did journalism start for you? I mean, you could have been a doctor, you could have been an astronaut, but somehow you became a, a journalist. How and why? Three things I wanted to be growing up. Yeah. Uh, one of those was being a professional footballer. Man, me too, man, uh, but here we are. The other, you're like, if I retire, I'll probably then get into coaching, be a football coach. But then the other was also to be a journalist. Okay. Oh, and uh, I think it's something that uh, I was practicing all the way through primary. But the beauty is, for you is the fact that everything you're focused to do is in sports. Yeah. So it's you've remained in the line. Now for me, with sports, yeah, so. me, I wanted to be whatever. I wanted to be a footballer. Then somehow I went into rugby. Then somehow I'm in marketing. Okay, but I'm now back into sports and rugby. But anyway. yes, uh, yeah, to cut the long story short, mm. uh, it's about uh, 2010. Yeah. August, September, after the World Cup final, I was staying with uh, a cousin of mine around Tireka. Yeah. And uh, she had a neighbor who had a sister who was a friend of mine called Gloria. Mm -hmm. So one time this Monday night I'm watching uh, UBC Sports Galo and uh, I'm seeing Gloria on TV. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> so the following, I, I waited for the following day and I'm like, how did you end up there? Like, because I was like, if she's there, that means I can also, I can also be there. Yeah. She told me what happened and um, I, she told me I just need to go to UBC and talk to Andrew Patiku and I may he's so arrested in Tanaka. I know, may he's so arrested. Yes, I remember that uh, that day I woke up, I was home, and I said, I'm not saying the I had over like 3K, but mm. then the taxis were cheap. From Sebuku to town was 500K, then you'll walk from town to UBC and, and all that. So I went uh, to see Andrew Patrick Wandaga. Get to the gate, they ask me if I have an appointment. I'm like, yes, I do have an appointment. They direct me to his office. <laughs> <laughs> so I get to his office, I greet him, I tell him I want to be part of the sports team. He's like, oh, do you have a pen and paper? So he told me, he wrote, he told me to write a number down and he told me, call that gentleman, he's called Nadim Tilik. Now at the time, I didn't know that Rwandaga wasn't part of the sports team because we used to see him on TV, but he mm. was in charge of current affairs and it was Dean Tilik who was in charge of sports. Mm. So I called Dean at the time, I think uh, it was a time period to take kids back to school yeah. and I couldn't uh, get a hold of him. So eventually, he kept on giving me appointments, but he wasn't available. So eventually, he gave me an appointment and he was available. That is also the time when Star TV is starting out. Yeah. So his office is very busy with people who are bringing proposals and, and, and all that. So this one time I got to his office, uh, he's in there and uh, there are so many people. I'm like, I'll wait for my turn. So I stood waiting for my turn. Mm. That's when I had somebody tap me at the back and they're like, Bakuyita. So I went inside, I reintroduced myself, I told him what I wanted to do and, and all that. So I'm like, okay. Come back the following day. So I came the door of the show and I thought they were going to put me on set. Yeah. I did research one I for three days. <laughs> <laughs> so I go and um, he gets me in touch with the producer who's uh, who was at the time Hoffman Sempewa. And uh, they had, he just invited me to sit around to see how see. things operate. Things yeah. Happen. So I go back to his office and it's like, okay. Next week, I'll give you a chance. Oh. I was so happy, excited. I didn't tell anyone. Just focused on preparing because, mm. I, I mean, it's a golden opportunity and you don't want to blow it. So, of course, yes, the first year, I think, I it was a show that Patrick Adonis used to host with Alice Namatov and um, Aisha Nasanga, but for some reason, that night, they weren't working and mm. uh, I did the show with Peter Otai. Okay. So, one, two shows, uh, Peter Otai, at the time, I think they had a gap. At yeah. uh, radio, imagine FM. He told me to come around in midweek, introduced me to the station manager. So I started doing radio and TV at the mm. same time. But uh, voluntary because you just want to prove yourself. They have given you an opportunity. You you have a chance to learn and get better as, as an individual. But while that is happening, I was a big fan of Hak uh, Medusain and Sanyo FM. Yeah. Like, I just love the way he used to do his bulletins. And they were so unique and special throughout uh, school and, and, and all that. So, and you wanted to replicate uh, that. So, 
people at Magic, of course, were welcoming. You're doing the, the, the TV beats once a week, and then you have this weekly show you're doing with uh, Chris Mugisa. It was called Inside Sports. So that is how that journey started. You start going to the field, you meet different people, the yeah. Ismas and all the other guys, so they become your friends. So one time I talked to Isma, I'm like, but what does it take to to start writing for Daily Monitor? Mm. Isma is like, oh, you reach out to Mark Namanya, uh, you lose nothing by yeah. reaching out to Mark Namanya. <coughs> There's no WhatsApp at the time. The mode of communication is Facebook. So I started interacting and chatting <laughs> with Mark Namanya. <laughs> I had uh, written a few of my stuff here and there. I yeah. dropped uh, at them on his email and stuff like that. And I remember vividly his response was, Come and meet me on Wednesday. So I went to the Daily Monitor on Wednesday. I met Mark with another lady called Lydia Bakumpe. We talked to Mark and he's like, we're joining the Daily Monitor on freelance basis. Basically, your money is in your fingers. The more stories you write, the more money you get. So, huh? so Mark is like, when are you starting? I'm like, I'm ready to start. Like, oh, okay, you start. We've seen so much chaos about um how much, how much people have paid, I mean from players right now, image rights to lawyers who are complaining about giving, being given small money, how much were they giving you for those stories? At, at the time it didn't really matter, because mm. so, I remember my first story ran on the 17th of August 2011, mm. that story is still filmed on my Facebook page. And uh, I submitted it to on the 16th and trust me that night I didn't sleep. <laughs> like, I'm you were like, like, I've made it. I, I, I wasn't sure the story was going to run, but mm. I was so excited. Like I remember coming to town, walking on the streets, and you want to open every paper to check if your story has gone. <laughs> you, you thought they had put it in some papers and not others. No, they didn't like, I just wanted to be, like, I could not wait to get to office. I remember, because I was juggling UBC and the monitor, I remember mm. going to UBC at the gates and the newspapers are there, opening the papers and there's a story, it was about table tennis, a friend of mine called Kevin Mafari and I can never forget the title, Mafari shines in China. It was a very small story but uh, it meant the world to me and okay. uh, for me, that is how that journey started. So th does that mean that you, you went on TV before you wrote a story? Yes. How was that first experience of TV? Of Did course, you eat hey, your words? Of course, now Get some uh, whatever. Of course the butterflies were there, uh -huh. quaking, speaking very fast you're... was it pre-recorded or live no it was live eh? it was live ubc i didn't tell anyone mm -hmm. it was you know that thing you tell people stuff and then they don't come to pass so i didn't mm. tell anyone and uh, my my cousin saw me she called my father i think he was already in bed my father woke i'm told he woke up and woke up everyone in the house <laughs> so I went back home and uh, my sister at the time, she should have been three or four, I remember going back and she's like, Clive, to play with TV. I mean, you're supposed to be sleeping when you wake up early for school. So that is how that journey started and uh, it's been exciting, full of memories uh, from then to date. Okay. Looking at the current uh, rugby situation, the, the games that are happening, the transitions in the fact that we have a new championship, how are you looking at the, the new season? Any particular observations that you've seen, both in the men and women's rugby situation? Well, apart from probably the new formats, yeah. you feel... I also love the fact that uh, we have more games yeah. for the results. Yeah. You feel that uh, probably that is also one of the ways young or junior players can grow and develop. Yeah. If you're, playing regularly on a weekly basis if you have enough, enough competition in your legs mm. it helps you get better as, as, as a player for me i thought uh, that was uh, a very good initiative yeah. by the union or the organizers um, of the league because at the end of the season of course you have players who have probably earned their right yeah. to eventually ele be elevated um, to, to the senior team and, and, and all that but also you feel that uh, on the side of the ladies that uh, the game keeps on growing especially if you keep on having people wanting to introduce a new team. That means that uh, you're going to have more women now, more young girls are playing the game of uh, rugby. And now with probably more games being played, the competitions and all that, it also, it also helps uh, players get better. So in terms of competitions, you believe that uh, the, more, um, the more number of games you play or the more amount of uh, game time somebody has in their legs, mm. the more they get to develop and get better as, as, as players. Yeah.
2023 transitioning into 2024, um, looking at the national teams, uh, both sevens and fifteens, men and women, what was your observation from a, a journalist's point of view? Well, especially with, with, with the sevens, you feel we're growing, yeah. improving, uh, getting better, slowly by slowly closing the gap on yeah. the African continent. I mean, the team still has a chance to qualify for the Olympics, just, just like the men. Because there was a time when uh, probably only the sevens team for the men was performing and um, everyone was um, looking at, at them as, um, as a team that uh, is going to elevate and take uh, Ugandan uh, sevens rugby to the next <coughs> level. Yeah. But also now the women are standing, uh, are standing up and they want to be counted. Yeah. For me, something that also is uh, motivating, especially for the people who have uh, invested time and dedication yeah. to see that uh, sevens rugby, especially in the women, grows just like it is uh, growing in the men. So we believe that we probably just need to have that continuity, doing what you're doing, doing right, what you feel is right, and probably improving the few areas that you feel that uh, you need to improve. You feel it's just a matter of time that uh, probably the ladies will also get there. How about from the point of funding? Um, funding is a big challenge in sports in Uganda and Africa at large. Um, from what you're seeing in rugby, what's the scope and what's happening else, elsewhere in other sports in Uganda? Well, the challenges in rugby, the challenges elsewhere. <laughs> of course, uh, they talk about uh, the billions uh, yeah. that um, are coming from National Council of Sports. Yeah. Now, that goes back to the union. Mm -hmm. How are you using this money for the growth and development of the sport. Yeah. Yes, rugby is uh, one of those sports that uh, in the country they are lucky uh, to have uh, a sponsor or funder like Now Special. Mm. But you also feel that um, probably what Now Special is investing, investing rather in the in the sport, can only push you to a certain level. Yeah. So as the people who are in charge of running the sport. Uh, how are you opening up the other revenue streams yeah. that can come in so that you can be able to do what you want to do, especially at the level of development. Yes, you have a bit of government funding coming in, yeah. but still, even if you get that and put it with what now special is giving you, it can only push you to a certain level. It goes back to what we said earlier, the, the sense of now trying to look into the professional direction if you want to look into that direction that means you need to have your revenue streams opened up because you need money to do some of the things that yeah. you are supposed to do but you want to feel that um, they are on the right track in yeah. terms of funding mm -hmm. uh, you only have to pray and hope that uh, that funding can be put to the right use for the sport to be able uh, to keep on growing yeah back to journalism um there is a perception amongst uh, many people that are not so tied to football that uh, what we call sports journalism in Uganda is basically football. And I've say, I'll be honest, and I, I, I've watched a couple of shows where 80% uh, um, of the show, I'm not going to mention the names of the shows because I don't want them to feel some type of way, but 80% of the show is football. And uh, like 20%, that is where you cram in cricket, you cram in rugby, you cram in athletics, you cram in what? But most of the times they're talking about football in Uganda. So for you to be a successful journalist in Uganda, sports journalist, do you have to particularly specialize in football? Not really, but mm. uh, I'll answer your question this way. And uh, I wouldn't say all of us, yeah. I would say majority of us yeah. sports journalists, probably mm. 90 or even 95% of us currently. Our entry point into journalism was football. Yeah. That's a fact. I'm trying to think about uh, people whose entry point is rugby at the moment, and I can probably only think about Ernest Akurevirunz <laughs> from Kaoho Sports, <laughs> and probably also Dels, Bugemba mm. Daily Monitor. But the rest of us our because for some reason and uh, it's something that so many people don't want to accept football is the biggest sport in the world yeah biggest definitely. sport in the world it is. With the exception of places like india where cricket of course is the yeah. biggest so because it is the biggest sport in the world people tend to follow it a lot more than any other sports i remember when i first joined a daily monitor i was encouraged by the sub editor at the time sunday abashaija to specialize 
in something that was not football. Mm. Andrew Mangosha was writing football. Of course, Dakaba was writing basketball, rugby, and all the other things. But he was also writing football. I mean, he had so many people writing football, and uh, he was like. For your football story to pass, yeah, it's always going to be extremely hard. Try to specialize and get into something different. That is how I ventured into volleyball. And uh, for about uh, six or seven years, volleyball was my thing. Mm. But my entry point in the sport was football. Mm. And because probably football is very easy to understand, okay. it is very easy to find, mm. uh, people find it easier to, to specialize in that. Yeah. But also, it takes a personal initiative as an individual to say, I want to learn other things. Okay. Ismail told, taught me cricket. And, and I've tried to learn cricket. I know a couple of things, but I, I, I keep forgetting I, them. I won't say I'm, I'm an expert, yeah. but I can see myself through a cricket game for three hours, something that uh, I would never do in, in the past. But also, you try to say, let me go and watch a bit of rugby. Okay. And every time you're watching rugby, the, the people I watch rugby with, with rather, will tell you, uh, Red Lashley, Swipe, Kanye, and all the other, other people, I spend the entire 80 minutes asking questions. Because you want to learn and get well, better. Which is because okay. You're, which you're is not totally. an expert, but yes. uh, you're watching the game with all the other people that uh, are experts. But I would be lying that uh, I can write a comprehensive rugby report like Ernest, like Dels, like Dakawa, like Swipe, and all that. But... Uh, I can still I can survive at rugby ground. I can come and uh, enjoy myself because I understand the the basics of the game, the exciting moments of, of the game, and and, and all that uh, something that uh, probably you can only get if you put in that personal initiative that uh, I want to learn this thing and uh, probably improve my knowledge in this department. Does that necessarily mean that if I am a, uh, an upcoming and budding um, journalist? that I need to know um, football first or I need to know at least almost everything. Can't I be a specialist? Can't I, like personally, can't I be a specialist? Do I have to learn things I probably don't fancy? Can't I just choose to be a specialist? You can. i give you an example of Ernest. Mm. I'm sure he's interpointing to sports. But you also football. see where I'm coming from, the yeah. fact that you can mention about 10 names when it comes to football, then you're going to mention one Ernest for rugby, so or let's say one person for volleyball. Does it not mean that these other sports are getting very low mileage? Of course there is. But yeah. then it goes back to you as an individual. How much do you want to know outside what you already know? Yeah. If you want to know what you already know, you put in the initiative uh, yeah. to try and learn a few other things. Uh, try to learn rugby, try to, to learn cricket, mm. uh, volleyball, uh, motorsports, and, and all that. You were talking about uh, the issue of uh, specializing. Mm. Truthfully, every journalist needs to specialize be an expert at something yeah but then that works in setups where probably there's a bit of uh, enough manpower or personnel i'll give you my i'll give you an example of me i work with sanyu fm yeah. where i'm the only person in my department you're the only person in sports <laughs> so how are you handling the whole so, sports department no, by i mean you're, you're just doing bulletins and a show on saturday so what ha when, so, when there is a sports department <laughs> meeting what do you do you, you no the, the sports is under news <laughs> okay sports is under news so you cannot say i'm going to only specialize in football mm. Because, I mean, you cannot be doing football all year round. But I think is football in Uganda is big enough to, to do Yeah, it is, it is big enough, but then there are other things that are happening mm. that are beyond football. Today you have um, the Nebel team playing at back-to-back uh, -back World Cups. Yeah. If you don't give them the shine they want, then you're doing a disservice to the nation. If you have uh, the rugby cranes um, are winning and defending uh, the African Cup, yeah. if you don't invest time to go and um, <clears throat> be part of the coverage at Chadond or even follow them from wherever they are, they are playing, you're doing a disservice to, to, to the country because there's someone who probably missed that, but then they want to listen to you or watch you so that they get to know what exactly happened. So it is very hard to specialize and say, I'm only going to focus on football. Much mm. as, yes, football is the biggest sport. That is why you open up, um, uh, you open up phone lines and um, nine out of the ten your guests are asking about football questions. Yeah. And you'll probably have one or two asking you about basketball or any other discipline. And they're only doing that because they're probably fans of that discipline. Yes. And uh, they're like, hey, 
there are things happening also where we need to know about them. So you cannot run away from the fact that um, football is still the biggest sport not only in Uganda but uh, also in the world. Okay, yeah. Um, generally looking at, uh, at sport in Uganda, um, you're a travel journalist. Um, what do you see out there that you think we should maybe adopt, maybe pick a leaf from? that we can be able to Im implement here? Uh, people have been celebrating a lot about the, the sports law. Okay. And uh, the last I checked, uh, we're waiting for it to be gazetted, then it can uh, get um, into action. But uh, for me, having the sports law in place, when we still treat sports as a by the way, mm. won't uh, really change the landscape yeah when the things that are, are probably affecting us are the things that are affecting so many african teams especially mm. rather african nations in the sports sector i mean you have a few uh, countries that uh, have really invested a lot in sports and uh, they are looking at uh, sports as a uh, an industry yeah. that can change uh, people's uh, livelihoods and uh, put food on the table. I mean, you talk about South Africa, you talk about Egypt and the countries in the, in the Maghreb. But yes. it is not the case in most of um, the African countries. Of course, you have a few exceptions like uh, probably Zimbabwe and Namibia, where they are rugby and cricket players um, are professional players, where probably uh, their, their leagues um, are, are professional leagues, but then people who play uh, for their national teams earn a living because um, of uh, the funding that comes into these particular disciplines and uh, uh, the federations or, or government um, really pay a lot of attention. Yeah. But then when you try to turn the table, flip the coin and look at all the other disciplines, you would say they are struggling. Today, the West African countries can afford to brag because they have so many uh, footballers littered all over Europe uh, yeah. playing football. But in the actual sense, when you get when you go to those countries and look at the sports industry in those countries, mm. they are not any special. They are just like us. They are also struggling. The only difference is that uh, they probably know how to get their talent out there yeah. especially the, the football beat yeah of course you'll have a number of uh, nigerians are playing in the nba but okay. uh, when you come back here on the african continent mm. they are not really they are, their their basketball is not really that big or huge they, yeah. they, they still need to have the nba superstars coming in for their national team to perform mm. but uh, domestically or, or locally they are struggling just to um are struggling so it is a case of uh, us as a society, as, as a community, as, as a continent, not uh, accepting the fact that uh, the industry is big, the industry is huge, mm. and there is enough for everyone, and uh, we just need to probably know what we need to do for everyone to be able to benefit from this industry. Okay. Do you think Uganda as a, as a country has uh, embraced and understood sports as a business? No, we've not. What can we do to take that step? We've not. I think the only federation at the time, rather at, at the moment, that is trying to force that and uh, let people understand is football. Yeah. Uh, they have really tried to, to take people in that direction. Mm. But still, it's the case of uh, taking a uh, cattle to a whale, but you won't force it to drink water. Yeah. That uh, the federation has tried its level best to help its members, stakeholders, especially clubs, uh, to understand that this is the direction that we need to take. We need to do these things. If uh, we need to take the professional direction, if you to improve your venue streams and all that. But unfortunately, the people they are preaching to are people who don't really care. Yeah. They are comfortable where they are, uh, as long as. As long as I'm happy, my team is winning, uh, the rest don't really matter. Of course, most of the things are being implemented because the Federation is enforcing them. Yeah. But if the Federation was not enforcing them, we wouldn't be having these things. Yeah. A case of uh, probably having a CEO in place and still somebody will have a CEO for the sake of having a CEO but not having a CEO with a clear KPIs of how are you going to improve and grow a business. 
you're looking at a football club as uh, something to give you a joy and excitement, not something to actually make money and improve you as an individual, mm. improve the community, improve the livelihoods of um, uh, the people that uh, are part of um, uh, this institution and, and, and their family. So we are in a state of, uh, yes, we hear about it, but we are not interested in taking that direction. And uh, for me, that is how I would describe uh, the sports landscape in Uganda. Okay. Tell us a bit about USPA. What's the, how did USPA start, how, what's the USPA vision, where is it going? Well, the Uganda Sports Press Association has been around um, since 1970. Ah, we well, are lucky yeah. that um, one of our founding members, yeah. uh, Mr. Frederick Sechito, is mm. still alive. That's us. great, that's great. Actually, the last um, uh, USPA Awards um, we held, um, we honored him with a, a Lifetime Achievement Award. Yeah. Because we thought it was the last time. This award goes out to different people who have contributed to the growth of sports in Uganda, but we had never appreciated one of our own. And we thought that um, Mr. Sechito was the best candidate uh, to be appreciated. So, since 1970 up to today, um, USPA is an association that um, brings sports journalists in Uganda together. Of course, there is a challenge of uh, having everyone on board, mm. but uh, it's a challenge that uh, we are slowly by slowly uh, maneuvering and um, we hope that uh, in the long run, yeah. we will be able to have everyone affiliating to the uh, Uganda Sports Press Association because we also affiliate uh, to the International Sports Press Association, which is um, AIPS. And at the moment, uh, we have about uh, 250 members on board as members of the Uganda Sports Press Association who pay annual subscription. Mm. Uh, our target is uh, to have more members on board. Actually, our target is uh, to have uh, the, the Fat Cut uh, podcast crew uh, members <laughs> of the Ghana Sports Press Association before the end of this year. Mm. Yes, uh, we have an association that is led by the president, yeah. who was a vice president, uh, the general secretary. Uh, currently, I'm serving in that um, capacity with an assistant. Uh, you have the organizing secretary with an assistant, the treasurer with an assistant, and um, other uh, different uh, committees that run the different um, affairs of um, uh, the association. Uh, one of uh, our biggest properties on the calendar annually is uh, the Uganda Sports Press Association Gala. Okay. Uh, where we uh, reward or uh, recognize athletes in different disciplines uh, that have excelled uh, every year. And uh, in the la for the last um, over a decade, we've been uh, doing that in conjunction with uh, a now special who okay. have uh, uh, outdone themselves for the period they have uh, been with us uh, to make sure that uh, the USPA Gala is uh, the biggest awards event uh, every time it, it happens. But also on a monthly basis, together with uh, an our special, we still do recognize athletes that have excelled at uh, our monthly assembly where we also discuss uh, other different things that can improve us as individuals but also as um, an association. Okay. Um, what, what's the importance of uh, a journalist being part of uh, such an organized uh, or such a unified organization, I should say? I think for me, the biggest uh, objective or advantage of being under an association or being part of an association, it helps you to have one voice okay when you are united with one voice and you want to move in a certain direction as a group mm. it becomes easier it is very hard uh, to say we want to move in this direction if um, everyone is saying i'm going to do it alone yeah. on my own but then it, be it becomes um, very easy if you're moving as a group i mean sport today has so many challenges some of those challenges affect us, the media, directly. But it is very hard to probably be heard or get one voice if uh, you did it as an individual. But then it is easier when you do it as, as, as a unit, as an association. Yeah, that's I'll true. I'll probably share something that I, I, I shouldn't be sharing on, on the podcast. Um, one time we had come to Legends to watch a rugby game. Mm. And 
the people at the gates, of course, they had gone through the proper channels, accreditation mm. and stuff like that. We applied for accreditation. The list is put at the gates. Mm. We come for the games and we are told somebody has removed the list. <laughs> so we tried to inquire. The list was, because we are told, we knew what was going on. Communication is here, but the list has been removed and the bouncers can't allow us into, into the venue. It was a big game. I think Cobbs were playing Pirates or Cobbs. So we're like, but what's going on? This thing has to stop. Mm. So we just, we're about five or six of us who mobilized ourselves. Unfortunately, I led the coup mm. <laughs> and we recorded a short video, of course, sharing our dissatisfaction and uh, the next course of action. And something that was small then eventually became big and everyone picked it up. And along the way, I remember the union together with the management of Legends and uh, our association leaders at the time, Patrick Kanyamos was the president, uh, Johnson was the general secretary. They were involved in a series of meetings, which meetings that, uh, which meetings rather, eventually did bear some fruit and uh, we've got solutions and moved on in uh, the direction that um, everyone was, um, every, everyone thought was um, the right direction. So for me, just like any other sector or, or industry, you need to have a place that uh, you come together where you can share your grievances, yeah. where your grievances can then uh, be shared to the powers that be to see that uh, we do find a solution and uh, we move on as uh, we are supposed to move on. Um, let's talk a little bit about media in Uganda. Um, do you think media, as it stands, especially in sports, is... Uh, evolving as uh, the rest of the world is evolving with media. I mean, we see radio, we see TV, uh, and all the new things that are coming up. Do you think sports media is evolving? Not at the pace that you'd want it to. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we have innovations like this, uh, the Fat Cut uh, podcasts uh, streamed on YouTube and other places, and everyone can watch it from wherever uh, they are. But then, why I'm saying not at the pace that it should be moving, sports journalism in Uganda is not yet appreciated okay. by mainly the media owners. Really? Yeah, by the media okay. owners, but also the people who are in, into sports. I mean, you'll bear, you'll bear with me. You watch an entire bulletin on, on TV and it's not that it's a crime for sports to come last, but uh, you'll probably have one story, uh, two stories. You're lucky when you have three, you're lucky when you have four, but uh, you'll always have one or two. Mm. And for somebody who has been in a newsroom for some period of time, yeah. I know what happens. Every time something comes in and it's going to affect the bulletin, it's going to affect the newspaper, the people who are affected the most are sports. Yeah. I've been in the newsroom where a Chidango comes around this time and they're like, much taken with sports. <laughs> so if they're going to put it in sports, if you probably the editor had a full page of um, all your stories, yeah. then that page is going to be scrubbed because someone has brought a Chidango very late and um, it has to be put in sports. So media owners are yet to appreciate sports but also people into sports are yet to appreciate the importance of the work of media in growing the industry or taking the industry to the next level people sports journalists go to cover all these tournaments uh, africa cup of nations yeah. uh, commonwealth uh, people go for the world cup recently we had a team going for the Nebo world cup you have yeah. a team going for, for the olympics you'll be shocked if a journalist told you that um, my media house funded my trip 100%, okay. it's very rare, mm. very rare that your media house will fund your trip 100%. Mm. But when you're there, they're actually happy and glad to have you there. <laughs> when the managers go for this, they don't have money. When the managers go to this, for these management meetings, mm. they are, they're actually speaking with a lot of pride and excitement that they have somebody mm. who is out there covering an international tournament for their employees. So uh, it is uh, at this, it's a sector that um, has not grown yeah. at the pace that it should be growing because of uh, the media owners, but also the people into sports uh, understanding or the importance, the understanding and appreciating the importance of uh, the media. Okay, um, let's talk about Clive a bit. Besides all this, what, what are your passions as Clive? What are the things you like to indulge in? Sports. 
this there's I, nothing I love, else besides sports. I, I, I love being a sports fan. Mm. Yeah, but I also love uh, I love traveling. Yeah. I love I love going out, despite being a teetotaler. Mm. Yeah, uh, I don't love sleep, so yeah. <laughs> I love spending also my free time uh, watching a lot of TV. Okay. Though of late on phone, not on the actual TV. Mm. So you'd want to say that I spend a lot of time on my phone. Okay. Not making noise on WhatsApp, but uh, being a lot of um, watching listening to a lot of um, uh, audio podcasts, especially on, on BBC Sounds and all that. So most of the things that I love doing evolve around what I entirely do. But of mm-hmm. course, once in a while, yes, I love going to the beach, just okay. chilling. Any particular visions or things we should expect from, Cl- uh, from Clive uh, in the future? Well, it is something that uh, I had started, uh, but then along the way i suspended it i hope and uh, pray that uh, i can uh, resurrect it uh, having my own media house okay or having uh, a platform that uh, does uh, do a lot of uh, publications uh, you must have heard about a football to five two five yeah. six football to five four Samo and his pal sports people came and, <laughs> and they brought us on board but um, it's something that um, will very soon be resurrected though in a mm. different uh, direction altogether mm. okay so as we start to conclude there are two segments that we're going to go in the first segment is called test your rugby knowledge <laughs> Don't worry, don't be very scared. These questions were tailored to at least accommodate you. <laughs> so the first question in Test Your Rugby Knowledge is, um, Entebbe, uh, Mongas is a team from Entebbe, and they have a home ground. What is the name of their home ground? Okay. Uh, when was the last Rugby World Cup? 2023. Okay. Um, when did Uganda last win the Rugby Africa Sevens? Hmm. 2019. Are you sure about that? <laughs> that one I'm guessing. <laughs> the answer is 2022. And uh, the last question from this segment is, uh, what team has its home in Chitante? What rugby team has its home in Chitante? Hold on. Uh-huh. <laughs> it might be embarrassing. You, you, you know on those shows they say when you say the answer, first give me a clue. <laughs> you know on these uh okay, before I give you a clue, you know on these shows, eh, they they can tell you do you want an option to call someone? No, <laughs> Should just, we give, give, just give me a clue. <laughs> it's a new team in the league. Ah. It's the newest team in the league. Is it the team coached by Edmond? Yes. I, I'm here to get the name. Ego Egos? He goes rugby club. Yes. So, then uh, we normally have what they call a trivia. This is something it doesn't have anything to do with uh, sport or rugby. Sometimes they can be sports questions. Who knows? But it's just something, and we're going to be having um, a table out for all our guests that have come, just to test general knowledge, like you know GPA. So that's what that's what it's all about. So trivia. There are five questions. Um, the first one. Who was the first woman pilot to fly solo across the Atlantic? Pass. <laughs> <laughs> that was Amelia Eihart. Um, when did Facebook launch? First launch. You said you started on Facebook. You sent your message to Mark Namani on Facebook. 2006, I'm going to give you a second chance. 2005. <laughs> the answer is 2004. Mm. Uh, this one is a bit complex, but uh, I'm sure you can get it. If you, I'm going to give you a couple of clues. What food manufacturing company headquartered in Michigan uses several animal mascots to sell cereals such as Newton, the oil, the oil rather, Tony the Tiger, Wariako Kusirio. 
Gokura. Ochazilia. If you see, if you're a customer that buys cereal, <laughs> they have a, a mascot called Tony the Tiger. They have a rooster called Cornelius. And it's a general brand of, of uh, a very popular brand from America of cereal. I know it's going to be embarrassing, but pass. <laughs> Try. Okay, it starts with K. Kentucky. It starts with K. Kentucky. No, 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 no. It's cereal. K E. Kellogg's. And uh, how many questions? One, two, three. Oh, we have two more questions to go. In the Catholic Church, the the, bis, the Bishop of Rome is a title more commonly known as what? In the Catholic Church, the Bishop of Rome is a title more commonly known as what? By what term? Pope. Yes, the Pope. This singer is famously called Material Girl. She's, she's a very old singer, she's not new, but uh, she's commonly known as Material Girl. Tinatana. Pardon? Tinatana. No, <laughs> she's, she's slightly younger than <laughs> Tinatana. She's not that old, but she's very popular. Maria Carey. Her name also starts with M, but it's not Maria Carey. Madonna? Yes, Madonna. Yeah, so anyway, um, very, very interesting conversation we have had here at, uh, at uh, the Gardens, Nigeria. Um, every Tuesday there is a wonderful, wonderful and engaging quiz that we have. So it's something that you should look out for every Tuesday, come for the quiz. But then every last Saturday of the month, they do have the East Africa Meat Carnival. This time around they'll be having DJ Bush Baby, DJ Lave, DJ Mose, and there's a lot of barbecue for you to experience and of course a lot of uh, entertainment. It is also a party venue that you can be able to embrace um, for your um, arrangements, your parties of any sort. But for the East Africa Meat Carnival, if you want to make an early reservation, call the number 0785-340-620 or the number 0755-927-271. So, uh, Clive, any last words from you before we close this? Uh, thank you for hosting me. Uh, I, I never dreamt <laughs> this podcast at, at one time, but um, I thank you for giving me the opportunity. Mm. And yes, uh, just uh, keep on doing what you're doing. It's, it's a great job uh, to elevate and promote the sport of rugby in Uganda. Yeah. Thank you very much uh, for that and thank you very much for your time as well. Um, yet another episode of the Fat Cats podcast. Do uh, follow us on social media on our different platforms. Do uh, get a chance to subscribe uh, to our YouTube and also leave us feedback and let us know what you think. Let us know what you want to have on the podcast, who you want to hear from and anything that you want us to put out there, we'll put it into consideration. Otherwise, um, from us, we're going now into the after um, experience of the podcast at the Gardens Nigeria. Cheers. Thanks for listening in. Share with us your thoughts from today's episode. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel.